Welcome to Voice of Care. Coming up in this episode, I'm speaking to Mary Wimbury, Chief Executive Officer at Care Forum Wales. We'll be discussing the state of the social care sector in Wales, the issue of fees, funding and what the future for the workforce might look like. I don't talk to a social care provider who doesn't say to me, oh, have you got any ideas? There are things other people are doing in terms of both recruitment and retention. And of course, there isn't a golden bullet. We have got an ageing population and what we've got is people of working age leaving and people retiring um, and moving to Wales because it's a great place to live. Um, But that does present a burden for, for our care services. You know, Every demographic type in the population needs social care at some point. Um, And you want a workforce that reflects that and can understand, identify with people's needs. Um, And yes, whoever you are, whatever your background, whatever your demographics, then there's a place for you working in social care and it can be a really rewarding career. Hello, I'm Sahel Mirza and welcome to this episode in Season 2 of Voices of Care. I'm joined today by Mary Wimbury, Chief Executive Officer of Care Forum Wales. At Voices of Care, we like to get to the heart of the issues facing the health and social care sector and how we can enable the healthcare workforce of the future. In this episode, we'll be discussing the social care provision in Wales, discussing the issues of fees, funding and the future. Uh, And who better to talk to me than uh, Mary? Uh, Not a lot to ask you to cover there, but welcome and thank you for giving us your time. Absolutely delighted to be here. Before we get into the details of these key issues, I wonder if you'd take the opportunity to give us a little bit more detail around the work of Care Forum Wales. I think it's the 30th anniversary this year. It is. We'll be celebrating our 30th anniversary with a, an event at the Senate in October. Um, and we're a membership organisation for registered social care providers in Wales. Um, I know you've already had our colleagues from Care England, Scottish Care on the podcast. Um, and like them, we seek to represent members, share good practices, amongst members and also influence policy making within Wales around social care. And absolutely you're also working in partnership I think right across the board from uh, government as well as other uh, leaders across in fact beyond just social care as well. Now, absolutely you know we work with Welsh with Welsh government local authorities health boards the regulators we have in Wales and try and influence the, the wider environment in which our members are working. Can you expand a little bit on the Dignity and Care Charter? Because I know that's an important uh, initiative for the organisation. We felt it was important to have something that our members signed up to um, in terms of dignity and quality in care. So we set that out some years ago. We ask all members to adhere to it and just, you know, provide that good quality care. And I think that helps in terms of the conversations we're having with other stakeholders as well, that we know, they know we're an organisation that does care about dignity and quality. Thank you very much for that. Um, Turning to the detail, um, the Senate has recently undertaken an inquiry into health and social care provision, uh, evidence submitted by Care Forum Wales and the the Welsh Local Government Association. And uh, to quote your submission, you said it's hard to overstate the current workforce crisis uh, in in care in Wales. Can you expand upon how challenging the environment is? I know um, providers are giving care packages back, etc. And the vacancy rates have been significant now for a number of years. Indeed. And I don't talk to a social care provider who doesn't say to me, oh, have you got any ideas? There are things other people are doing in terms of both recruitment and retention. And of course, there isn't a golden bullet. If there was, someone would have found it. But it is about getting people 
to want to work in the sector, to understand the fulfilling careers they can have in the sector. But also, it's not just about recruitment, it's about retention. And in some ways, that's even more important because when you lose people who've been working in the sector for some time, you lose all that skills and experience. And even if you had someone walk through the door immediately to replace them, you, you, they're not they're not going to have that and despite what some people think it is it is a, it is a skilled job and that um crisis if we can use that word um is prevalent not just in residential care settings but also in home care settings absolutely yeah it's nursing homes care homes and providing care in people's own homes as well it's just it's it's really hard to to, to recruit and retain i wonder if we can just pull the lens back a bit and try to understand why this situation has come because Wales has been uh, um, been blessed with such a plethora of legislation Uh, the Future Wellbeing of Wales Act all of this healthier Wales strategy we're still in the situation I I mean the uh, Wales Centre for Public Policy has identified chronic underfunding as a key issue would you agree with that and that still plays a big part absolutely and you know what listeners need to understand is the vast majority of care in Wales is paid for at or you know very narrowly above the rates set by local authorities and health boards we don't have a significant private payer market that's paying the huge premiums you see in some parts of England so it really is the sector's dependent on state funding and unfortunately we've just not seen that over many recent years match the needs and match what we need to pay the workforce what frankly what they deserve for their valued job that they do. And that continues to be the setting now I think you've just finished a consultation on the framework around fees and there's actually quite a um, variation is there not in terms of fee levels across Wales people think of Wales as, as the whole country but there's quite a lot of variation in that. We're a small country of just over 3 million people, but we have 22 local authorities, each of whom sets their own fees. And what we're seeing at the moment is a significant divide between North and South Wales, where you've got thousands of pounds per bed difference in some cases for providing the same, the same care. And, you know, that just, just can't be justified. And of course, you've got the, uh, I mean, people say that uh, demography is destiny, but you've got a, a big increase in the overall population uh, since 1950, some 20%. But I think the over 65 as a cohort is uh, subject to significant growth, which has an impact on this sector, of course. Absolutely. Um, and what you've got, is, we have got an ageing population. And what we've got is people of working age leaving and people retiring um, and moving to Wales because it, it's a great place to live. Um, but that does provide present a burden for for our care services as those people then um, you know move towards the end of our lives and it's great that we're all living longer but we're doing that often with with more care needs you went back to the idea that actually there's this um, continuum so the, the the funding affects the fee levels affects the fair uh, wages uh, in the sector I mean, the real living wage was introduced I think in April 22 43 million pounds of extra funding etc which you applauded yeah. how, how does that play out because I think you, you were involved in some of the work around that Indeed. Um, You know, we were really pleased um, before the last Senedd elections in 2021 that all the parties who were elected to the Senedd had a pledge to pay care workers at least the real living wage. And that's something we'd been campaigning for. Then we have what's called a Fair Work Forum for Social Care set up, bringing together 
um, representatives of um, employing organisations, employees in terms of trade unions, local authorities, Social Care Wales, which is our workforce regulator with Welsh Government. Now, we work together on the implementation of the real living wage and, you know, delighted that happened. But almost as soon as it happened, it was eaten away by inflation. And the inflation we've seen over, over the past year just means actually you know, we've been a worse place without it. And we're very pleased to have that pledge that registered care workers should be paid at least the real living wage. But it just isn't enough. And the impact of this on retention, we've had a look at that already, the crisis. Um, We're going to look at social care in its own right. But I do want to tangentially have a look at the impact that this has on delayed discharge, for example, in hospitals, the NHS. I mean, they're inextricably linked, aren't they? They are. And often it's, you know, people don't need to be in hospital anymore, but the care packages just aren't there. Now, some of that is about funding, but some of it's actually about getting health boards and local authorities to work better with the sector as well um, and see the value the sector can bring and how it can help them get people out of hospital or indeed prevent people needing to go into hospital in the first place. And that question of value, I just want to touch upon that. Everyone has heard of social care. We've had the pandemic, which quite rightly highlighted the brilliant work that social care had, often the poorer cousin of the NHS in terms of popular narratives. Uh, Can we just have a look about how much value the sector brings? In in England, for example, Skills for Care highlights over £50 billion of economic value add. And in Wales, the value of the sector has been growing. It's a significant employer. It it, it is. No, um, you know, it, it is one of the most significant employers. But it's not just about the value of the people that the sector employs. Those people then go on to spend money in their local communities. But also the sector, when it's working properly, looks after people enabling their loved ones to be freed from some of the care that they're doing at the moment enabling them to contribute to the economy as well there's a whole you know plethora of ways that social care contributes and I think too often people can just see it as a drain but actually it's a real contribution to economic well-being in Wales and that I think is the argument I think uh, like yourself and uh, others like uh, Helena Herklotz have made recently about the the need for the parity of esteem and are we seeing that are we early doors on that? I mean, it's, it's something that's been said for quite a while. I'm always hopeful, and I think you have to be hopeful in this sector. Um, and we did see the valuing of social care and the social care workforce, particularly during the pandemic. But I think now, you know, we're still we're back we're back to the old ways in some ways. It's sort of you know let's 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 venerate the work that's done within the NHS, but le- we we must also recognise the important work that's done in social care as well. Absolutely. Now, one of the things that. Wales has put together, of course, is its workforce strategy, A Healthier Wales, a vision for 2030, uh, inclusive, sustainable, engaged workforce. Um, the Nuffield Trust did some research looking to see what England could learn from Wales and the other uh, nations. Uh, and one of the things it talked about was that it isn't just about pay, even though that is incredibly important, as you've highlighted. It's also about career progression. So are you seeing good practice around career, career pro- pro- progression? What more could be done? to? Because that's an important element of retention. It is. And I think, you know, a number of the things you've talked about from Wales, you're highlighting that I think we've got some really good policies and we've got great ambition. 
we're not always as good as we should be about seeing those things through. And in terms of workforce progression, you know, we've got a plethora of different types of organisations providing social care in Wales. You've got some of the larger organisations that work in England, perhaps Scotland and Northern Ireland as well. But we've also got a lot of SMEs, small, often family run businesses. And Within smaller organisations, it's always difficult because there isn't necessarily the career progression available. And again, you know, some of this comes down to what we're asking people to do, what we're recognising and what we're prepared to pay for it. And yet what health boards and local authorities are prepared to pay for it and ultimately what we as a society are prepared to pay. And that's going to be hand in glove with the efforts that uh, right across from government onwards to promote the value of the sector as a career because that is being done. Indeed. And Social Care Wales, our workforce regulators working with Welsh Government, we've had, you know, people working for some of our members featuring some of the adverts just showing what a fulfilling career it can be and how much people can get out of delivering social care. But, you know, there still is that backstop of, you know, getting getting to a place where we are rewarding people properly for it. And I think the Real Living Wage was the first step in that direction. I think everybody recognised it was only a first step. Um, And I really hope that we can move things forward and, you know, give people that that career progression, those opportunities. There's massive opportunities in management in social care as well. Um, But actually, we've we've got to value that in money terms and in respect terms. And we talked about the policy context. There is a significant policy context. Uh, You've done work, I think, still on the National Advisory Board for the Care Inspectorate. Can we touch upon, because it's in contradistinction to England, there is mandatory registration for for social care. Now, that has an effect, both positive and otherwise, for the retention issue. It does. So care workers in Wales have to register within six months of of starting in the sector. Um, And then um, they're expected to achieve currently the full qualification within three years. Now, something Care for in Wales as an organisation, we've supported that professionalisation of the workforce, but it's got to go hand in hand with the, you know, the recognition, both in monetary and respect terms that we've already talked about. And unfortunately, what we're seeing at the moment is it's it can be off-putting and because we've got such a shortage of of, of workers in the sector um, you know one of the things we're pushing for at the moment and the consultations recently closed is actually is going to be six years rather than three years before you need the full qualification now I think that's the right answer because you don't suddenly go from delivering social care one day to, oh, I've been registered three years and because I haven't got the full qualification, I'm no longer capable of delivering social care competently, safely, appropriately. Um, But actually, you know, maybe one of the ways through the financial difficulties is to have a proper two tier system. So we have a basic level of registration. And then you have the qualified level of registration and that attracts greater pay. We can then use it as a carrot rather than a stick um, to get money into the sector and to get people to stay in the sector. And that allows that sort of manifold pathways that people can be flexible. Exactly. And would that then also impact the idea, because many commentators talk about not just pay as an absolute number, as you say, it's the first step, the real living wage, but there's also the the, the pay progression uh, challenge because people in care who stay for a number of years only receive only 
incrementally small amounts more because I think that's a also a factor is it not it is absolutely and even you know even before the real living wage was made compulsory in in Wales um, we'd seen the significant increases in the national minimum wage but because the overall pot that you know care providers were being paid hadn't gone up commensurately then that has eroded differentials so it's the differentials you get for supervising a shift for doing extra training to enable you to provide mm. qualified care what we need to see is those being properly recognised as well as the, the bottom the bottom rate of pay being appropriate. Absolutely. Now, the vision of the Healthier Wales Workforce Strategy also talks about, by 2030, I think that's the, the vision, um, to have a workforce in social care and, and indeed in healthcare that's reflective of the population. And there have been demographic changes uh, in Wales. So talking about that issue around how important inclusion is and what you've seen amongst your members and, and generally to facilitate that vision. So I think there's a whole range of issues in terms of making our our workforce a more representative, but also better able to cater for the needs of the the whole population of Wales. So, um, you know, we know it's predominantly older women that work in the sector at the moment. Actually, we've got some really good role models of young men working in the sector. Mm. Um, There's racial diversity. There's also linguistic diversity as well. You know, we have a lot of people, particularly from some more rural parts of Wales who they might get dementia they revert to their first language which is Welsh it's actually much harder to provide care for them if you're only doing that in in English Um, but I think we do see great diversity in the sector at the moment as well we've got a um, in Wales a a race equality action plan which covers all areas of, of government but I keep saying you know we've got a lot of actually very successful non white people working in the sector as responsible individuals running businesses and those businesses tend to be more reflective um, in terms of racial diversity as well and we need to we need to build on that and we need to celebrate that and that I guess would also be a fabulous uh, opportunity to showcase the sector to attract people from all uh, diverse backgrounds into the sector as a career absolutely absolutely and you know the great thing about social care is you know Every demographic type in the population needs social care at some point. Um, And you want a workforce that reflects that and can understand, identify with people's needs. Um, And yes, whoever you are, whatever your background, whatever your demographics, then there's a place for you working in social care and it can be a really rewarding career. And the pathways we've talked about, I wanted to finish with um, the projected growth in the over 65s is going to be significant. That's right across, I think, all developed nations and the whole of the UK. Um, the projections for the number of workers that we're going to need is eye watering over the next decade. Um, and the Healthier Wales plan talks about flexible access to learning and development, enabling digital skills. We've got the traditional pathways already. Are they going to be enough to train workers in a way that's agile enough to meet these demands? I suspect not. Um, And we've obviously seen people have to use more um, digital training during the pandemic. That's one of the things that 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 brought out as well. Um, But I think we'll we'll see that increasingly. And what we'll also see is the use of technology in terms of delivering care. Mm. It's always going to be a people business. But actually, you know, you need... 
if you're gonna have a shortage of people, you need to use those people where what only there's things that only they can do. So actually, in terms of things like monitoring people while they're sleeping, um, you can do that much less invasively using technology. But that requires capital investment, um, and again, that requires that requires funding. Absolutely, and we've got little more than. T- 15 months before there has to be a, a, a general election. Um, if you could wave a magic wand in terms of the priorities that you would ask the government to have at its forefront, what, what would they be, perhaps one or two, leading up based, based on all these demographic changes and pressures? So we've got to have a properly funded social care system. And actually, if we have that, it will save the NHS money. But it's actually, it's more than that as well. We've got to have local government, social services and health boards working with social care providers in in a seamless a way as possible to ensure that that provision is is seamless for the individual. Because ultimately, that's what matters. Everybody receiving care and support is an individual. And so, you know, what I'd say if I could wave a magic wand is let's let, you know, let's not divide the sector up. Let's actually say we can all work together and deliver better care for people in Wales and right across the United Kingdom. Uh, On that call of uh, unity, uh, I'd like to say thank you very much, uh, Mary, for your uh, insight and uh, your wisdom. Thank you. My pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode of Voices of Care, please like, follow or subscribe wherever you receive your podcasts. And if you want to hear more about how we are enabling the healthcare workforce of the future, please visit newcrosshealthcare.com forward slash Voices of Care. In the meantime, I'm Sahel Mirza. Thank you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Voices of Care is published by New Cross Healthcare. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved.